This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode number 75. Submission number 260. Video power. Video-powered, aired in syndication from the fall of 1990 to the spring of 1992 for a total of 83 episodes. Video power, power, power. Video power, power. My show is kicking with maximum height. Say video power. Yeah, that's right. Word. I've got the ability to make you win. You want the edge? I'll push the power surge. Let her rip. Guys, I got a question. How does a syndicated show go from a cartoon to a game show? You know, that's a good question because we've talked about shows which have changed uh, names. See Second Chance and Boys Will Be Boys. And also we've seen shows that have changed their setting somewhat. Look at We've Got It Made, kind of, sort of. But I don't think we've run into a show that literally changed genres. That's just insane. But, well, you know what? Let's talk about, like, how did this come about? This came about in the age of the silver age of video games, as it were. Nintendo was controlling just an insane uh, market share in the video game market. And of course, they've just released the Game Boy, Super Mario Brothers 3, and I think they were a year or two away from releasing the uh, the big nuclear bomb in the video game world that is the Super Nintendo. Yeah, that would have been like 92 or so, yeah. And in addition to all of this, you have the Genesis, or the Mega Drive for our UK listeners, and, uh, and the uh, TurboGrafx-16, or the PC Engine for our Japanese listeners. Which I don't think anybody had. I swear to God. I know a few people who had them, but they were very few and far in between. I, I think the most people started playing TurboGrafx-16 was when... Uh, Nintendo put it on the virtual console like in 2007. Yeah. That was right. That was realistically most people's first experience with the Turbo Graphics. That was my that was my personal that was my personal first experience with the Turbo Graphics. Same here. That was my first with with Blanc's Adventure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Silver Age and video games. So how are people going to capitalize off of this Silver Age and video? games. Enter Alan J. Bobot and Haim Saban. Wait, te- that Haim Saban? That Haim Saban. Look at 
my background. That Heim Saban. <laughs> We're doing this on Zoom, folks. Anyway, yeah, they've teamed up to create what was a daily video game news magazine that speaks to kids and teenagers, or at least that's what their target demo was. And to host it all, they got a 15-year-old New York actor by the name of Stevie Paskoski. But he wasn't Stevie Paskoski. Oh, no, 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 no. He was Johnny Arcade. And he had the... And, and if you're a kid and you watch this show, he had just the swankest setup. He had this chill area with couches and snacks and a really big screen and on the other side, he had this desk that had a Nintendo, it had a Genesis, it had his Game Boy, and it had a Turbo Graphics for some reason. And it also had just so much space for everything, and this was just, this was just, look, if you were a kid who played video games... I know that now you're an adult who plays video games and you look at it and you're just shaking your head like, what the hell, dude? But back in the day, man, that was the hook up. I think that was the genesis of the man cave. I don't know. Well, also, I'll add this. Video power wasn't alone in that market in 1990 because... Uh, there was a better show, and I think uh, universally um, among the three of us, we believe this was the better show. Uh, Game Pro TV hosted by uh, J.D. Roth. Oh, of course, it has J.D. Roth. How can it not be bad? Yep. Well, but not just him, but also the show itself was more devoted to actually the games themselves and hints and tips and tricks, and maybe in a way it was made to sell its magazine which i'll admit i didn't get nintendo power as a kid i was a game pro person i had it all i had nintendo power i had game pro egm game players video games and computer entertainment i was all about those trips those monthly trips to the to the newsstand i was all about that i was all about that well, to quote Christian Bale, Chico, oh, good for you. Okay, but and yeah, during the uh, during the interesting, we mentioned Game Pro and Game Players because during the first season of Video Power, they were the uh, supplier of the of many of, of much of the content, much of the news content of the video game news magazine, but. You can't really fill 30 minutes, at least Alan J. Bobot and Heim Saban couldn't fill 30 minutes worth of syndication time to a video game news magazine. Because each, each show had four segments. Yeah, and of four course... Four segments. Yeah, and this is daily syndication, too. Yeah. So you can't really... It's not like mm -hmm. it's not like you had the internet back then to constantly yeah. update you on video game news. Yeah. It's not like it's blowing up your phone or nothing. I mean, the best you could do is, you know, the hot hints line. And yes, we will be covering that in a future episode. Hey, 
Hot Hits is fast and fun, and it's $1.65 in a minute. <laughs> but that guy looks like Ace from the ambiguously gay duo. Yep. <laughs> oh, my- gosh. Yes. Oh, stop it. <laughs> By the way, yeah, we'll be talking about that in a future entry. But yeah, the four segments of your typical episode of Video Power. The first three clock in at about 10 to 12 minutes, and they are Video Power Reviews, which reviews a video game that uh, came out within the year or so that the show was taped. The Video Power Preview, which was a game that was due out soon. The Video Power Edge, which was a rapid fire sort of a rapid fire sort of montage of of hints, tricks, and Easter eggs, which would help you become master of the game. Actually, let me hold on. Let me stop there because I want to bring something up. Okay. Video Power was produced by uh, co-produced by Bobot Entertainment, Saban Entertainment. And Acclaim Entertainment. This is going to become relevant later, by the way. And, and, and of course, I should mention Acclaim Entertainment was based out where I live in Long Island. Well, necessarily Nassau County, since I'm in Southern, but you know what right. I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, anyway, the fact that Acclaim Entertainment would have produced this is going to become relative in a few moments. But what was the slogan for Acclaim Entertainment? Masters of the Game which they did not use anywhere in the actual TV show. Uh, it's a wasted wasted opportunity to market there. What can I say? Yeah, come on, Acclaim. But now, come on, Acclaim did more than enough subtle marketing in the same way that cartoons back in the 80s sold uh, action figures, you know, like Transformers and GoBots and, and Mask. Oh, future installment masked the cartoon series back in 85. But yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of serving the same purpose as cartoons to pitch their products. Mm-hmm. Oh, mommy, I saw this on Video Power. I want it. Yep. Anyway, then there was the four. Well, uh, aside from like the sort of uh, wayward interview, I remember. Uh, there was like a birthday party for Johnny Arcade, which took up like the second half of the show on one episode. And there was one episode with uh, Blaze and Ice from the American Gladiators that took up the second half of the episode. Ooh! Like I said, uh, uh, just not not just a video game TV show, a video game news magazine, basically the video game version of Inside Edition. But to break up the monotony, there was a fourth installment of Video Power, and it and it was in the middle of the show to fill about another ten to twelve minutes. This served as sort of the comic book interlude of the video game news magazine. The Power Team. Oh, no. Mike is already gone. I, 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 I'm almost broken. He's, he's completely checked out of this segment, folks. Yeah. 
I, I mentioned to Greg and Chico before the episode. I told them I, I watched this a couple of days ago to prepare for the show. And in the cartoon segment, I did not last more than 10 seconds. I lasted longer watching Manimal. I lasted longer watching almost anything. I think everything else that we've covered. 10 seconds, it broke me. I threw my hands up in the air and said, nope, screw this. I'm going to rely on Greg and Chico. This is horrible. Hey, Mike, at least you lasted longer watching Video Power than I did watching Whitney. Oh, uh-huh. but that's another episode. Hopefully not till much later. So anyhow, about our power team. Yeah, the power team was made up of an animated version of Johnny Arcade acting as the major domo to five video game characters from video games that were licensed and published by acclaim. Not necessarily, huh? not necessarily huh? acclaim? Huh? <laughs> thank yeah, you, thank you, I Tom t- Poston. I told you that was gonna be relevant. But yeah, they were not it was not they were not developed by acclaim. They were oh. only published by acclaim. Yes, that's the common theme. It's like Defenders of the Earth, future installments, only using uh, characters created by King Features Syndicate. Only they're using characters published by Acclaim. Those characters are the field lead, the field leader, Max Force from NARC, which was an arcade game by Williams, ported to the NES by Rare. Winners don't do drugs. Winners don't do drugs. It's 1990, bitches. R.I.P. William Sessoms. Mm-hmm. And then you have Koros. What, it didn't look like uh, the character in the game. He looked more like Fabio. Because that was the guy on the box. Yeah, they couldn't afford the licensing rights for Fabio. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That fa- was- I always wish there was like an episode where... The guy from Wizards and Warriors gets on a roller coaster and gets his nose hit by a goose. True story! Oh, no. Uh, yeah, Wizards and Warriors, that was originally developed by Rare. Tyrone from Arch Rivals, which was originally developed, as you know, by Midway. Yep, and the predecessor to NBA Jam. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And probably the best game out of these five games, to be totally honest. Oh, definitely. Which isn't Arch saying Tri- much. Oh, but yeah. Arch Rivals, at least you have that referee who kind of looks like Larry Bud Melman. Yes. And then there was the com- sort of the comic relief of the group. Quirk the Chilled Tomato. From the Game Boy game of the same name. Which was actually a Japanese game called Puzzle Boy, developed by Atlas. And I liked Quirk better when it was called Boxel for the Game Boy. Mm. I don't know what Boxel is. Uh, it's very much like Quirk. We'll cover it on our spinoff podcast. It was a thing at the home arcade. Yeah, the, the, and for the record, Boxel and Boxel and Quirk, two different games. One was by Atlas. The other was by Irem. 
One no. was good. One was good. The other was called Quirk. Hey, it was not by IREM. It was by FCI. It was by yeah. Fuji. Hey, none of those games are better than Cat Rap. Cat Rap is the best. That one's a good one. I'll give you credit. I like there. Cat Rap. Yes, yes, yes. My, mo- my, mom got, rap. my mom got that for me as a blind buy like one Christmas. And that's like one of my favorite Game Boy games ever. Cat Trap is awesome. It and is. The, yeah, okay. and, the, and the fifth member of the power team, and the, well, the sixth member of the power team was their, uh, their uh, mode of transportation, Bigfoot. Bigfoot? From Bigfoot. Oh, my God. The claim must have been really wanting to shill out the money just to get Bigfoot for this cartoon. Oh, yeah. And that's probably well, or why maybe they're... they got the, the license when they developed the video game. You never know. Do... Maybe. Well, that's probably why he claims out of business now. Oh, boy. Actually, uh, Bigfoot was developed by Beam Software. I also... believe that's out of business, too. Oh, yeah. Beam Software. Didn't they publish that terrible Back to the Future NES game for LJN? Yes, they did. Fun fact, LJN and Acclaim were uh, sort of in cahoots with each other to try and get around the NES five games per calendar year, son. Yeah, yeah, because Acclaim bought LJN like 89. Yeah. So they had all these shell companies that get around that stuff. Yeah, somewhere like Konami with Ultra and... Yeah. So, in so much of the spirit of another show that aired in that t- in that uh, time frame, Captain and the Game Master, you had it, well. Let's talk about Captain and the Game Master because the main story of the of that game was a real person is pulled into the world of video games. Yes, the power team is video game characters. Pulled into the real world. They don't, they, don't, they don't ever mention how that happened. No. No, they, they just show up. They just show up. It's not like magic or anything. Well, well, if you look at the opening of the power team, that's pretty much what's like. That's pretty much the closest thing we're going to get to exposition. Is okay. Oh, Johnny, Johnny Arcade is playing. Quirk, Narc, Arch Rivals, Wizards and Warriors, and Bigfoot, and all the characters jump out of his TV screen. Well, if Bigfoot jumped out of his TV screen, wouldn't the house be like a mess? Oh, yeah. Again. And really, really, since Quirk was a Game Boy game, wouldn't he be like really small because of the small Game Boy screen? Interesting thing. They used the Game Boy graphics in the opening of the Power Team, but they displayed it on a television set. Yeah, because the Super Game Boy is not until 94. Right, yeah, that doesn't come along until uh, the Super NES. Maybe he had had, some developer kit or something. Interesting thing, they were actually working on something that will make you play NES games, or Game Boy games on the NES, but but it never got out of development. I'm sure, like a retro bit or one of those companies today could make one. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Well, I do believe that uh, Retron they did create a console 
where you can play NES, Genesis, SNES, yeah. Game Boy. Yes, I know there's do. one you can I, definitely play Game Boy I, on. I, uh, the uh, Retron 5 by Hyperkin, I know that. Yeah. I thought I thought about getting a back when that second and Charles was trying to move all this stuff. I thought about it. I never really uh, I haven't thought about it since I thought about it, if that makes any sense. So the cartoon. So the cartoon has these five characters, well, six characters, related by no other fact that they're on video games uh, developed, not developed, sorry, published by Acclaim, trying to fight the forces of evil led by Mr. Big from NARC, which showed up on like 85, 90% of the episodes that aired. Yeah, Mr. Big was like the main baddie of the series. Mm-hmm. And Mike is drinking, and he doesn't give a shit about any of this. Yeah, I told you I lasted ten seconds. There you go. <laughs> uh, and and the thing of it, and the crux of, and the crux of Mr. Big's plans was, he was going to, you know, just specialize in all this sort of crime. And if the power team got in his way, he held. He holds up. Five game cartridges, supposedly gates to uh, send the power team back to their respective video games. Which he never uses! What the hell? Yeah, what a terrible villain this Mr. Big is. He's like, I'm gonna send you back to your game world! But he never does! See, the problem is they're all from Acclaim games. That's why. Yep. Yeah, send them back to the video game dimension. You lose the cartoon. Oh, but that's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and uh, uh, other people from the respective power teams of video games show up as well. For example, Malkill, who is in the Wizards and Warriors franchise. He shows up, and the episodes where Malkil shows up usually center around Kuros trying to find the elementals from wherever that will sort of destroy Malkil in whatever form he's taking in that particular episode. And Mike is still drinking. Okay. It's not alcohol, unfortunately. Okay. That'll be later. That's oh, yeah, uh, and then there's uh, some other, other sort of um, what what were there other other sort of characters aside from Mister Big and his goons and Malkill, we also have uh, Rowdy Roddy Radish, which would be Quirk's enemy. Oh well, real original Rowdy Roddy Radish. Yeah, they couldn't did he even. Wear a, did he wear a kilt? Yeah, they couldn't even get Rowdy Rowdy Piper to voice this. No, they could not. And they also had Burnt Rubber, which was sort of an evil android uh, paralog to Bigfoot. And I'm sure there was a an arch rival to Tyrone that showed up once, but I. I can't find him. 
It would have been really hilarious if they got the referee who looked like Larry Bud Melman to show up in Video Power, <laughs> and he was voiced by Larry Bud Melman. Missed opportunity there at Claim and Saban. Yep. And again, this is from Truth by Consensus Wikipedia. One time, Malkil transported the team members to the gothic land of Sindarin, Koros's native land. The team learned to work without Johnny's leadership and survive in the medieval realm. While Koros was glad to be home, he explained that he must return to the real world, as the goal of the power team was to keep villains like Malkil and Mr. Big from ever invading and allow each team member to return to their worlds in peace, thus explaining the rationale of the series. Uh, also, I should add that uh, the aforementioned Rowdy Roddy Radish mm-hmm. uh, was not actually in the Quirk video game. That character was actually made for the cartoon itself, as well as another character, supposedly from the Quirk world, Patricia Parsnip. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, everybody knows that the uh, damsel in distress in Quirk was Tammy. Uh, plus, also in Quirk, there were no real enemies in the game because Quirk was a puzzle game you played solo. So Rowdy Roddy Radish and Patricia Parsnip were not part of the, the Quirk video game canon. Nope. There's a Quirk video game canon. I just made it. It's Quirk. That's it. That's the list. But yeah... Uh, there were 26 episodes of the Power Team made to run over 33 episodes of Season 1 of Video Power. Which didn't really make much sense. I mean, if you have like so many episodes, and this is a, a part of your show, you're going to want as many episodes as you can. But, again, this is Video Power we're talking about. Uh, now, at the end of the first season, the Power Team was spun off into their own series, independent of Video Power, and uh, two episodes would fill half hours, so you'd have 13 weekly episodes. But what happens to the mothership? Well, three things happened during the time Video Power aired. One, the wizard. Yes. It was, uh, to some, a cult classic and the Our Generation's version of the Who's Tommy. Hey, hey, hey. Look what I'm holding right here. I'm holding holding the Wizard Shout Select Blu-ray right here. Nice. Craig has a copy of the Wizard. On Blu-ray. On Blu-ray. From Shout Factory. From Shout Factory. A 100-minute commercial for Super Mario Brothers 3. Exactly. That's what it was. Exactly. And the thing is, Super Mario Brothers 3 hadn't been released in the U.S. at that time, so it was just a giant mind game. Yeah, there was a, there, yeah, there was a reason for that, because uh, back in those days, there was a shortage on microchips. Yes. Yes, there was. And, and of course, we can't forget the wizard starred Fred Savage, and of course, playing little Jimmy, was, of course, was Luke Edwards, who would later go on to be in the classic 1994 movie, Little Big League, which we'll cover on It Was a Thing at the Movies, and playing his mom, 
was the future mother of Mets first round draft pick this year, Pete Crow Armstrong. I just wanted to mention that. (laughs) Do you feel better now, Greg? Oh, yeah, I definitely uh, feel much, much better that I mentioned that Pete Crow Armstrong's mom was the mom in the little big league. Awesome. And, of course, with the Wizard, you also had the 1990 Nintendo World Championships. That would be number two thing that happened. The 1990 Nintendo World Championships, which which toured all across the country to find the best gamer in America to face the best gamer in Japan to see who would be the best gamer in the world. And of course we know and of course we all know who took the twelve to seventeen category, the legendary gamer by the name of Thor Ackerland. Aaron Schroeder won the under eleven and Robert Whiteman won the older the over eighteen title. And of course there were three games in that pile in Nintendo World Championships. You had your Super Mario, you had your Rad Racer, and you had your Tetris. Yes. And you had to achieve a cumulative high score across all those games with a total time of 6 minutes and 21 seconds. That doesn't make make any sense to me either but no one of the hosts of one of the hosts of that those championships we will talk about momentarily yes but we're getting ahead of ourselves the third thing that happened and mike has mike talked about it earlier game pro tv kelly news and entertainment and jd roth creating a better product a weekly better product and it w- and it just yeah we anything we've already said what we need to say about Game Pro TV. It was awesome. It was. It was legitimately must see TV for video gamers back in the day. It was. So you put all those things together, and video power. It went through the change. Yeah. And this is the video power that we mostly know. Mm-hmm. I won't say no one love, but we mostly know. Yes. Season two, video power, the game show. Now, like, now, like season one, there, it, the show had a, the video power edge, which was a rapid cut of tips and Easter eggs and whatnot. But then you had... Uh, uh, one of the hosts of the Nintendo World Championships, Terry Lee Torek, yes, putting Johnny on the spot with four people trying to pepper him with video game trivia, and, and mostly failing, and mo- mostly failing. But the ones who succeeded got a copy of whatever game Johnny pulled, yeah, from, from wherever. Yeah, they would. Your uh, your uh, bad news baseball for NES from Tecmo. I don't know. Yeah. Again, it was it was 1990. Fifty percent of all Nintendo games were shovelware, basically. If bad news baseball is not a bad game. Yeah. So those four people who were called on by Terry 
they were invited to play in that in that uh, episode show. Now this was Monday through Thursday. Yes. So the way it would be is it would usually be like either two games that they would play or there'd be one game the entire uh, week. Yeah, they did have theme weeks like Batman week and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles week and Battletoads week. And they did a WrestleMania challenge week. It's, it's WrestleMania challenge. At least it's better than WrestleMania or an NES. True. By the way, Super WrestleMania, that was the bomb. Just saying. Uh, no, no. Royal Rumble on Super Nintendo was the bomb. Because yeah. at, at least you could play as Ric Flair in it. Just saying. Mm-hmm. So the four players, they come on down and play the first game. They were given two minutes and two seconds to score as high as they could. Though on some shows it did vary. On some shows it was a minute and a second, and on others it was a minute and 41 seconds. And I'm guessing that's because maybe the shows ran long previously. Who knows? But but just the whole minute and a second, two minutes and two seconds, I don't get that. Okay, so okay, so the two minutes and two segments part in the first game. So the top two scorers would go on and play a trivia round, and so there'd be like there'd be three questions worth ten points. There was a fourth question I think worth twenty points, and then there was a fifth question usually like for a prize or something like a game or something, and it would usually be like, "What's this game on this screen?" And if you guessed it right, you won the prize. Or like, what's this tune from this game from? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I found it interesting during the quiz. Now, the, the players were wearing Velcro vests. and if They're you called got, power vests. Yes, the, uh, they're wearing power vests. Yeah, because it's video power. And power helmets. And so what... Uh, and so for uh, the questions, the 10-point questions earned them a slice of pizza with the number 10 on it. Yes. And the 20-point question was worth a mushroom with yes. 20 on it. Yes. Well, I think it's kind of interesting. Maybe there's a little video game tie here because pizza was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing, and the mushroom was obviously Mario's thing. Hmm? Yeah. It was a wacky little crackpot theory, but it, it makes a little bit of sense, maybe. But also at the same time, since this is a claim, I don't think you're going to be promoting a lot of Mario. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, on the pilot of Video Power, they did have trick tips for Super Mario Brothers three. So, okay, so the two contestants would play a final round for one minute and one second, and whoever had the best score. Won 50 star points and the game. Now, if there was a tie at the end, then the tie would be broken by whoever scored the highest on the first round. Oh, so if you so if you were like second in second place and the other contestant got 50 points, you're basically screwed right there. Yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't you just do a tiebreaker question? Because that would take too much time. Right. Know. So the winning player gets to go to, I get, for lack of a better phrase, the prize mall. 
Yeah. Which That's one? For do it on the show. Yeah. Oh, they did. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I I know rememberies. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, they go to the Prize Mall, which was this sort of one-and-a-half-story video game vault, which had just two walls of video games. And they gave you 41 seconds, although they started at 30 and eventually tacked on an extra 11 seconds somewhere down the line, to collect as many games as you could within that time, and then rush headfirst down a tube slide. Because as if you did not, if you were a nerd, if you didn't have a video game system in 1990s, you were an outcast if you didn't have a tube slide. Oh, you damn right. Now, technically, a player did not win the round if they did not exit the maze before time expired, but often... They just said, you know what? Screw the rules. Yeah. Yeah, it's better to make the kid happy than have the kid crying on camera. Now, there was also a secret game in the prize vault. And they would tell them where it was, but they would not tell them where what the game was. Oh, no, there's some episodes where they tell you what the game is. Yeah. But there is one. I was watching a couple episodes, and they would say, okay, here's the game. They wouldn't say where it's at. They'd say, here's the game you're looking for. And, yeah, uh, so, so maybe that's another thing that changed over time is they went from the name of the video game to, okay, look for this, and they'd actually show the, the package art or, or actually the, the box to, okay, the secret game is in this area, and then, of course, what's the kid going to do? He's gonna hoard, he or she's going to hoard all the video games in that area to ensure that they won the Konica camera or whatever the, the secret prize of the day was. Right. But lest you think that that was all they won, was whatever games they found, and a secret prize for the secret prize game, all of the winners from Monday through Thursday came back for the Friday final to compete for an even bigger prize, I guess. Like, well, the well, the thing was, the Friday winners at the end of the season would all meet in like a super tournament at the end of the yeah. season. Yeah, and like the the super tournament would be played for a super NES, a a trophy. A trip to Universal Studios Hollywood and a $10,000 scholarship. Dang. I made $10,000 and all I had to do was score the most in Double Dragon. Yeah! Didn't the Friday winners get, like, the Miracle Piano? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. That's exactly... I know there were, I know there were some... Friday winners who won a Neo Geo. Oh yeah, finding the games for it. Oh yeah, C- congratulations on buying this te- this thousand dollar system. Good luck trying to get games for it. And if you can find games, they're going to run you like three hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, we should mention that the video games inside the mall they weren't really the best of games. No. We saw titles like, and this is maybe the best title of them all, sadly. Classic Concentration. Oh, my gosh. They must have had, like, 
a hundred copies of classic concentration they had to to get rid of and uh heavy shredding was another one that came up fairly regularly oh hey. ultimate exodus was a band favorite yeah ultimate exodus yeah i remember bad daddy's baseball um i remember like jackie chan the Jackie Chan game on NES, which, by the way, I at my local retro gaming store. You know how much a copy of Jack, the Jackie Chan game on NES is worth? Two ninety nine. No, 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 no. Okay, sixty four ninety nine. Are you kidding me? No. If you got like three copies of that back in nineteen ninety one at the, in the. Uh, in the bonus round of video power, you might as well be sitting on a gold mine in 2020. Wow. Yeah, so the games weren't the best necessarily. Uh, you didn't see v- any sort of video games like Super Mario 3 or really popular video games. I mean, you didn't really see anything in the N- Nintendo uh, family of video games. It was primarily, like I said, like- acclaim and... And Tecmo. other like third parties that just the games like totally sucked. Yeah, it was like your Tecmos, your game techs. Well, well, but okay, but Tecmo, Tecmo Bowl was very popular back in the day. That was not a bad game. Oh no, I'm not saying uh, that at all. But yeah, I mean, some of the game tech games were not the best. Hey, Double Dare. Mm-hmm. And and interestingly enough, season two lasted for fifty episodes. Which is what seventeen more than season one? Yeah, but it's only still ten weeks of fresh material. Yeah, so. and man, heavy shredding. Man, I didn't even know the ex- I didn't even know the existence of that until that show. I didn't and- know the ex- I I I physically blocked that from my memory until I had to look at it for this show. And I had no idea that like that's an extremely common game on the NES. Well, Chico, you better unblock it from your mind because it's time for eBay Prices Right! Oh, no. Oh, yes! Chico, you're going to play this solo. We're going to do a clock game style. Okay. Because I've already shown Greg this, and Greg got this item like in 29.9 seconds. He barely beat the clock. Okay. Yes, it did. So what's up for bids today? This sold about two weeks ago on eBay. It is a factory sealed copy of Heavy Shredden. And it has been graded. It's in a plastic box, graded an 8.0 slash B plus in terms of quality, in terms of, you know, almost like a baseball card, you know, other increases mm-hmm. or how's the corners and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to do this clock game style. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I want you to get the price of this on the nose. Ready? All right. Uh, so question. Is this in whole dollars or dollars? I'm trying to determine how mean I want to be. Well, I think that answers the question. I, I could have just said dollars and cents, but it's whole dollars, which is going to make your life a lot easier, I think. But yeah. regardless, okay. So, okay, so so we'll okay. Well, I'll give you that whole dollars. Okay. Okay. All right. On your mark. Get set. Go. Fifty dollars. 
Higher. Seventy-five dollars. Higher. A uh, hundred fifty dollars. Higher. Two hundred fifty dollars. Higher. Five hundred dollars. Lower. Four hundred. Lower. Three hundred. Higher. Three fifty. Higher. Three sixty. Higher. Three seventy. Higher. Three eighty. Oh, he got it with three seconds left. He beat Greg I by a hair. I beat Greg. 25.84. For a uh, factory-sealed, graded copy of Heavy Shredden. <laughs> and I don't remember what Greg said, but it's essentially, who the hell would pay that type of money for that video game, even in that condition? Well, Mike... You're gonna get ready for this. Uh oh. Uh, are we having a? Are we? Are we, Is it two for? Is it two for Monday? Yes. Here we go. You are. You guys are bidding on a Nintendo NES lot of five boxed NES games, and they include Heavy Shredding. Vegas Dream, Pipe Dream, The Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle, The Angry Video Game Nerd's Favorite, and Anticipation. Hmm. So you were bidding on the buy it now price. Okay, now you said these are with box. Are they sealed or have they been opened? Uh, Let me look. Uh, It looks like they have been opened. Uh, Some some of these games have been sealed, I think. But a few of these are opened. Okay. So I will start the bidding with Mike. Okay. None of those are particularly rare games. And just from experience, I have two copies of Pipe Dream for the NES, and neither of them work for whatever reason. And they're the only two NES games that I have that don't work. They're both Pipe Dream, so figure that one out um i still think people would bid hmm i'll say oh gosh if they're still sealed they might have a little more value i'll say uh 49 dollars chico your bid my bid for that lot you know i'm gonna go 60 the buy it now price for the Nintendo NES lot of five games of Anticipation, Heavy Shredding, Pipe Dream, Bugs Bunny, Crazy Castle, and Anticipation. Guys, get ready for this price. Oh no, this is gonna be bad. One hundred and forty dollars. Chica wins. Yes. No. Who's yes. gonna pay that Please. much money just to play Anticipation? I ask you. I, I guess. Guess what? I guess what? Also, no interest if paid in full in six months on ninety nine dollars plus. Oh no! In well, <laughs> in <six> months, <laughs> you it, said a mouthful, Greg. Yeah, and, and, in six months you'll have no interest playing these video games, and you get a one year protection plan on these games from Square Trade for fourteen ninety nine if you want. Okay, now that you say that, I have my box of NES stuff right here next to me. I mentioned I have a couple of these games. I want to see what I paid for them because some of these still have the original sticker on oh, them. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay, hold, hold on a second. Okay, Big. Pipe Dream, 
$5. The second uh, copy of Pipe Dream was $2.99. And we said anticipation. Anticipation. Okay, anticipation. it's a board game. It's a game show. It's a Anticipation doesn't have the price tag on it. But still, as I mentioned, two copies of Pipe Dream, $5 and $3, neither of them work. So I wouldn't spend a friggin' penny on Pipe Dream, given I've had two that don't even work. Did you see what I did with Anticipation? Yes, I did. Yes, I saw. Did, did that come with a bottle of ketchup there, Greg? Hey. I like mine with a twist. <laughs> so, and so anticipation. So it's like anticipation. That's another one for it was a thing on the NES. It was but still better than win, lose, or draw on the NES. But guys, you're like, that's hard. But guys, you're probably wondering, probably thinking to yourself, Whatever became of young Johnny Arcade. Well, guys, he grew up one day to become Pat the NES Punk. And now you know the rest <laughs> of the story. Oh, boy. Seriously, though, uh, I believe Stevie Piskoski is still working to this day. Remember, he was only 16, 17 when he was hosting Video Power. Yes. So you like what? Forty seven now? Yeah. Oh um, no, he'd be younger than that. He, if he was fifteen in nineteen ninety, he'd be my age, forty five. Yep. In fact, if you watch Agents of Shield in twenty seventeen, he was a lead SBR agent. And if you are a fan of For Life, he was on two episodes during the show's first season. Hey, it's not for life. It's not NWO for life. We talked about Stevie Peskoski and Terry Lee Torak as the kind of sort of co-hosts for the second season of Video Power. Yes. There's one name we forgot. Oh, oh, oh I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. The music, right? The music, music the band leader, uh, Steve Tracassi. Who you might better know from Remote Control. And if if you listen to the sound effects, the, the piano sound effects he does on his keyboard, it sounds like it was lifted directly from remote control. Oh, it's As soon as I heard it, without even looking at the credits or without even looking at the video, I'm like, holy crap, that is Steve Tracassi from remote control. There's nobody who does that. It sounds like him. So an, uh, there's an added little perk uh, with season two. They did get a, a good musician, a good house band kind of sorta oh yes well before we go uh, again doing the uh, occasional research that we do on the show uh, i came across somebody's kind of sort of blog entry about uh about his experiences on video power back in the second season in the obviously the game show part and oh boy this is a read uh, I, I think i'm gonna have to include this like in the uh, informational part of the, the podcast because th this r really is very uh, interesting. Um, so back in uh, summer of 1991, uh, the writer of this uh, saw an ad for 
for the tryouts for a video game TV show, which ended up being Video Power. And uh, he just thought it would be the coolest thing to be on Video Power. And his thinking was, if he won big prizes in video games on a TV show, he'd be like the coolest person in the world. He'd be the most popular person in school. Because, again, remember, having an NES or having video games back in 1990, it held some serious leverage. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, was, could, I could attest to this. Yes, it was not unlike having an Atari back in the early 80s. If you had one of those systems, you're everybody's friend. If you had the newest system, you're everybody's f- friend and everybody's mother's friend. They loved you if you had the newest thing. And I, I even remember back in like 85 going absolutely gaga over the Atari 5200, and I know Greg thinks I'm an absolute loon over that. Yes, you are. Yep. Thank you. I, I, hey, I, you know what? I could, I could picture a fifth. I could picture a nineteen ninety, a young Mike Klaus going up to some some guy, some lady. He wanted to slow dance to a boys to men song and say, "Hey, baby, I just got the adventure of Link the other day. You want to play?" And then she says, "Is that a Game Boy in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me?" Oh, and I pull out the Game Boy. Yeah, I'm playing Quirk, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, but fun fact: he still has the copy of Quirk. No, 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 no. That uh, the copy of Quirk I have, I found ten years ago at a video game store, uh, a little local place, uh, just uh, doing some uh, some day tripping in this area, looking for video games and. Oh, I've never seen or heard of Quirk before. That looks interesting with the tomato on the, the case. It was two ninety nine. Anyway, well, anyhow, I still have it. It still works. Anyway, back to uh, and, and, this. and I'm two ninety nine poorer because of it. Oh. Anyway, so anyhow, getting back to this uh, person's experiences with the TV show. So what ended up happening is um, he got on the show and. Uh, he was essentially the best player of the four on the show. He mentions that one of the contestants he played against was, uh, and this is said with all due respect, not being derogatory or anything, a female who had very few, if any, video game skills. It looked like she was playing a video game for the first time. And so he ended up beating his competition that day and made it to the, uh, the, the mall and ended up on the Friday show where he... Uh, didn't happen to win, but he just mentioned about the cluelessness of his players because one of the games that was played that day was uh, Tecmo Bowl. And so they didn't have any sort of limits on what team you could play. So the thing is, if you wanted to do Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl, gosh knows what Bo Jackson does in Tecmo Bowl. He just like raffle stomps over the competition. So uh, he played the New York Giants, who at the time were world champions, remember, because this is uh, Super Bowl 25, or just after Super Bowl 25, I should say. So he just, like, racked up the wins playing the Giants while everybody else played, like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the New England Patriots, who sucked at the time, or, or at least weren't as good as they were nowadays. But... Um, So he just rolled over the competition in the first round. Uh, Ended up getting uh, some really bad video games. Uh, Little Ninja Brothers, which he says must have had 30 copies in the maze 
making it impossible not to win at least one copy. I'm going to tell you right now, Little Ninja Brothers was the shit back in the day, okay? I well, love- you could have had yourself 30 copies of it because there were about 30 copies in the maze, he says. And uh, he also mentions that there's like no parody in terms of the prizes because he mentions that the big prize of the day could have been a Game Boy, which would have been probably about $100 back in the day, all the way up to a Neo Geo system, which we mentioned went for mucho dinero. Uh, So then he got to the Friday episode. He didn't get past the Friday episode. And he just, he thought he was going to be the king of the school. Well, guess what? It was anything but that. Uh, People at school were making fun of him, uh, talking about um, basically being a video game geek and um, staying very derogatory. Yeah, this was back when nobody got paid to play video games competitively. This was long before Twitch. Yeah. Yeah, but not just that. Uh, the, the comments were the uh, type of derogatory comments you'd hear from people who were in their tweens to early teen years uh, using uh, certain terms that would be uh, homophobic slurs nowadays. Let's say that. I think you may know where I'm going with that. Gosh, I hope you do. So, yeah, uh, he had dreams of being big man on campus and. He just got relentlessly teased by the people at school. Ah, you're the geek who was on the game show, and you won 40 copies of uh, Little Ninja Brothers or whatever it's called. Yeah, Little Ninja Brothers. Yeah, I won 40 copies of Little Ninja Brothers. You play your cards right, you may be going home with one of them. So, yeah, F around, mess around and find out. Mess around and find out. You got 10 copies of Jackie Chan on NES. It's not like that game is going to be worth 65 bucks one day in 30 years. So I just wanted to share that little um, anecdote. Uh, Look back at uh, this uh, person's video power experience. Now I think we can give the show a proper close, Chico. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, video power... Started life as a video game news magazine. Ended life as a video game news magazine slash game show. What could I say except it was not a thing on TV. It was two things on TV. Well, before we hit the tube slide and have Terry Lee Torek tell us what we've won, we'd like to remind you to visit our website. And it was a thing on TV.com. There you'll find more about the show, more about us, access to all of our previous episodes, and our social link feeds at, let's see, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, Jack Dorsey's Hate Box. And the Discord. And the Discord. Along with a link to uh, deep dives and editor's cuts over on our friends at Place to Be Nation Pop. Ain't that right, Greg? Yes. Um, I don't know if we have like anything coming up on Wednesday for the previous week's episodes, but I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll think of something. If not, you can just re-listen to, to them back-to-back in like one sitting. Yeah. It's actually good for... Our show is good for long.
long road trips. It is. And also you get to hear me do the Place to Be Nation promo break with the Girls in Cars NES music from the WrestleMania video game that for some reason was used for the Million Dollar Man. What? Yeah. Weird. Speaking of weird, you're going to want to see what we have for our next show. Isn't that right? Oh, my God. This is... Mike is shaking his head like he doesn't know what he's unleashed on the world. I'll tell you what, folks. There's one word I can use to describe uh, the next topic, and that word is undescribable. It's it's bizarre. It may be the weirdest thing we've covered. It might be the weirdest thing we, we probably ever cover on this show. Yes, it's even more weirder than cheap, cheap, cheap. Are, are are you saying that what you're about to what we're what we're about to cover is the Twin Peaks of animated series? Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It is exactly that. It is bizarre. It is what the f. It requires you to watch it a, like five or six times to understand every joke that's going because every joke in this show is flying a mile a minute. And Greg has seen every episode and has taken copious amounts of notes. No joke. I've taken 20 pages of notes. Oh, boy. Speaking of road trips, for that extra long road trip, you'll want to listen to the next episode. Dropping Thursday. Till then, it's a goodbye from Greg and a goodbye from Mike. Bye-bye. And a goodbye from me. We'll see you next time with another thing on TV. Row! And after I'm true with you guys, I'm gonna find that little tomato quirk!